0: You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs.
1: Hello and welcome to another special COVID-19 episode of The Good GP. My name is Christina and today we will be covering the topic of self-isolation and self-quarantine and how we as GPs can be educating our patients on these as well as some of the resources we can be utilising. Now, before I do go any further, I'll let you know that today's podcast is being recorded on Monday, the 30th of March, and any information presented today is up to date as of this date, but please do continue to check relevant guidelines for the latest information. Now, to join in this discussion around self-isolation is fellow GP, Dr. Penny Burns. Penny has joined us before on The Good GP for one of our other COVID-19 episodes, so I really do appreciate that you've taken time out of your very busy schedule to help discuss some of the COVID-19 issues again. Now, by way of a very short introduction for a very accomplished woman, I will just mention that Penny is the RACGP rep on the GP Roundtable with Australia's Chief Medical Officer, the Chair of New South Wales ACT Disaster Management Committee, and is currently doing her PhD on the role of GPs in disasters. So very well placed to join us for these discussions and welcome back, Penny.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Now I really want to get straight into some information so let's start with what actually do the terms self-isolation and self-quarantine
0: mean? So self-isolation actually means insulating yourself. It comes from the word Latin, means make into an island. So it means complete separation of someone, usually who has a contagious disease, from people who aren't sick. And that's a public health measure, and that's being used currently in New South Wales and across Australia to try and stop the COVID virus from spreading. So what self-isolation actually means for the patient is that they need to stay where they are and they need to not move around because they need to avoid spreading. So if you need to self-isolate, then you need to go straight to the place that you're going to stay, whether it's a hotel or a home or whether you're in a boat or wherever you are and you need to minimise exposure to others. The self-isolation order can be actually placed on someone by the minister and that's when the minister directs that a diagnosed person must immediately self-isolate and stay at home um, and restrict all those issues and that can actually be enforced by the police and there are fines for actually not complying with that It's a criminal offence to not follow the rules and quite hefty fines. So,
1: Penny, then as GPs, you know, we're having to advise our patients on what they need to do when they self-isolate. What should we be telling them, you know, in terms of practical advice
0: about what to do? So essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to stop the spread to other people so that we're reducing transmission within the community. So what we want to advise our patients to do is that we want them to self-isolate and keep themselves physically away from other potential humans that the virus can invade. So that means usually going directly to their residence or to a hotel if they don't have that, if they're visitors from overseas, and then staying there. So setting up camp there for two weeks usually. And that would mean setting up their home so that they can stay there and they don't need to leave. Um, so making sure that they can organise food to come in if they need to. Staying within their own garden, their own private areas is fine. But if it's a shared garden or a shared communal area, then we'd actually rather they stayed away from that completely. We want them to try and separate as much as possible from family members, um, even though they may have already been with them, because we want to decrease the risk of transmission. And we know that family members are, are, are close, can become close contacts very quickly and become high risk. So in an ideal situation, you'd set it up so that you had... A house that was split in two you'd separate the rooms that the the person who was self-isolating lived in and you'd separate all the stuff that they were using the toilets um, everything they were coming in contact with would be completely separate. Now, obviously, that's really not easy to do in most houses. So, if you're unable to do that, then maybe you could separate the times that people were using different rooms. Mm-hmm. You need to avoid trying to use the same household items. So, again, maybe you could divide the kitchen into half and you could use it at different times. If you've got some vulnerable people living in your house, so some elderly, all um, those with comorbidities, then it would be wonderful if you could move them out move them somewhere else for the period of time because they're really at high risk if they get it if you do have to move through the house and have contact with people then it's probably really important to wear a mask we're advising everyone to use social distancing. So 1.5 to 2 meters, the further the better and not spending a lot of time in the same space. Infection control is really crucial. So we know that it's droplet spread. So the droplets can land on any surface and then they someone puts their hand on that and then puts it near their face, then they're at high risk. So again, it's about washing hands, you do things after you do things surfaces that you've sort of been exposed to then they need to be wiped down after you leave an area and it's about being really vigilant with this so using a lot of hand sanitizers. so your hands are actually starting to get a bit dry I think that's a good sign that you've um, been doing enough the other thing I guess is if you start to get unwell or you start to get symptoms if you don't already have them and you haven't been seen for that then you need to use a phone. To get help. So if you want to get medical help then it's about calling first and then working out how you might need to go out and access. So you really shouldn't be leaving the house unless it's an emergency or unless you need medical support and that medical support should be done by phone in the first instance.
1: Yeah, excellent. And so what about in terms of, I guess, just honing in on the implication for family members and household contacts? Because that is something that I feel there is still a bit of confusion around in terms of how to advise family members and other household contacts on what they need to do in this situation.
0: So yeah, and it is, it's a really blurred line, but I think it's an important difference. So, So for family members of a confirmed or suspected symptomatic case, so someone with symptoms who might be awaiting a test then all the household contacts need to self-isolate because they've probably already been exposed and they're at high risk. For those family members of asymptomatic cases, then they can still go about their usual activities, but still, I think they still need to be really, really vigilant about paying attention to hygiene, social distancing, staying away from those more vulnerable groups. And so I think that's the basic difference. But I mean, we were just chatting about this before we came on, but it's a really blurred line, and if you're not sure, it's important to err on the side of caution. At the moment in our area in the north of Sydney, we're in... a hotspots. So we've got the highest number of cases and we've got a certain amount of community transmission that we know is now happening. And so the current criteria has just changed to testing anyone in our community that's got any cold symptoms. So that's a really big change from previously. And that will only happen in certain areas when uh, we're very concerned.
1: Yeah. And I guess that raises the point that as the testing increases. Also, it means that the people who, the, you know, these self-isolation rules and implications will broaden as well. And so having clear advice, I think is good to be able to tell our patients exactly what the person in front of you needs to do that has any symptoms, and as well as that, being able to give clear advice around what the family members should be doing as well. So that's great advice.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to know that at the moment, we're being very vigilant about trying to capture every single case. Um, And Australia is actually leading the way. We've got a positivity test case of 1.9% at the moment. So of every um, 100 Tests that we do, we've got two positive cases, and in Canada, which is the next one, three percent, and in the UK, it's fifteen percent. So we are really working hard to try and stop that community transmission, and you know, the isolation is a really big part of doing that. There's also lots of tips for coping with self isolation as well so there's other things around if you're in isolation and you're living within those confines things like making sure you have a routine making sure that you exercise as much as possible making sure that you work out what people's roles are going to be when you're living close to people you don't normally live close to you can get tensions and i think working out ways to deal with that very early on before they escalate is important waking out ways to talk to your friends and colleagues without having to leave the room is also useful And there's a whole lot of new resources that are out there for people to use that have been put together. So there's work being done by Beyond Blue where there's a chat line around COVID. And so they've got an ongoing chat line where you can go on and discuss COVID and how it's making you feel. There's been extra sites put on a lot of really good websites that GPs can direct patients to. So things like Raising Kids, The Panda, Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia has got extra sites. Lifeline and Kids Helpline also have got some extra information. So there's a lot of resources out there that we can direct people to. There's also the coronavirus health information line that people can be directed to. And sometimes learning about what the virus is and how past viruses have worked and rolled out is really useful. So knowing that there will be a period of time where the supermarket shelves will start to be restocked and other things will start to return to normal can be really useful for people that are stuck inside.
1: Yeah, that's all great, really practical advice. And I think really important. I mean, social connectedness is so important for our mental health. So when we're trying to obey all of these, I guess, rules in inverted commas, you do worry about that unintended consequence of that, you know, disconnection. So I think it's really important as GPs to know where we can direct our patients. So very useful information. Now, I wanted to check in around what happens to a person who has had to self-isolate and probably in this situation those that actually are a confirmed case or have had symptoms consistent with COVID-19. I mean we know if you're self-isolating because of you know a contact or travel history it's 14 days no symptoms after 14 days you're pretty much right but what about those people that have actually had COVID-19 when can we tell them that they can actually finish their isolation?
0: So this information of course will be changing as we go but best source of this is on the cDNA guidelines which are on the Department of Health website and you can go on and I find that a really useful document it goes through the advice to public health and that's a lot broader sometimes than the advice we're getting for general practice so it's different for different stages or different degrees of the illness so if it's a mild case that you've had and it's confirmed and you've been managing at home then you have to meet the criteria of being at least 10 days since the onset of symptoms and you have to have had at least 72 hours of resolution of all symptoms. And once you've done that, then you're able to stop self-isolating. You're still advised to be incredibly diligent with hand hygiene and cough etiquette and social distancing as with everybody else in the community. Those with more severe illness who are coming out of hospital have slightly different criteria. And again, this is changing all the time, but the criteria for them is that at least 10 days have passed since hospital discharge, and that there's been resolution of all symptoms of the acute illness for the previous 72 hours if they've been much more severe there are some situations where they've also been adding a PCR negative test and that's been occurring on two consecutive respiratory specimens 24 hours apart so it depends a little bit on the severity but for those mild ones it's 10 days and 72 hours.
1: Yeah, excellent. Look, I think that probably covers what I really wanted to tick off today. I really appreciate the practical advice. One last thing for GPs, what resources can they share with their patients? I mean, I know that you mentioned about support and resources, but in terms of some resources on where they can actually go for information about the kind of rules, I guess, of self-isolation. Where can we find more information as GPs? So
0: the rules for self-isolation are all up there on the Department of Health COVID website. There's resources section and they're all in there. There's also resources up there on WHO. And then in terms of managing it, There's also a lot of good stuff coming out from the usual groups that manage mental health issues or uh, manage child issues. So those usual groups also have a lot of good information. The government's done one which is called Head to Health, which has got a whole lot of the activities of what they're doing. Um, And you can go on there and there's a lot of resources there too. So there's a large number of resources out there. But if you just pick a couple of them and and, have a good look at them and then you can advertise those to your patients because you're aware of them.
1: Wonderful. Penny, thank you so much again for joining me today. And to all the listeners out there, keep your eyes out. We'll continue to bring you these special COVID-19 episodes regularly. Thanks again.